Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another, well, not just any other, but our season finale for 2021 episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan, the man that is super awesome, Gearheart, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Josh Rutledge, who I would describe as the most perfect gentleman that ever existed. Well... That's a lot of pressure to put on my shoulders. See, I try to give you a compliment. I know, can't but, take it. but you know, I've already kind of hunched over a little bit because my counterweight pulls me down. So I don't, I don't need all the extra pressure on my shoulders. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> I'm going to use you as a fishing lure. That's where we're at. <laughs> I'll throw you in and catch a cryptid fish, man. So I always, always talk to my doctor, you know, he say, how tall are you? And I say, well, I'm 5'10", but my counterweight pulls me down to 5'9". Yep, it's not nice. That's not nice at all. Uh, Josh, we got a fun episode, man. This is our uh, just a reminder. This is our season finale. We're going to be taking the month of December off um, so that we can spend some time with our family, though. We will have some special bonus episodes and some fun stuff coming out. It'll be fun, but not your standard get them and grip them uh, podcast episodes. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a... Uh... Sounds like a commercial for Grippos or something. I know. Oh, man, I miss Grippos. <laughs> if y'all ain't from the Louisville, Cincinnati area, you won't even know what that yeah. is. But man, so. I love Grippos. Great barbecue chips. Uh, anyways, we got a fun show tonight, man. Uh, we have a guy we've been wanting on the show for a while. Uh, we've got Walter Bosley coming on the show. We're going to be getting spooky with Walter Bosley. This dude is legit, man. Dude is a ufologist. He's an author. Uh, He's been a guest on Ancient Aliens. He is a publisher. And listen to this. This is what I love. He's a publisher of a small press that uh, has the best name ever, Lost Continent Library, um, which, you know, fits all of our favorite stuff all the way. Yep. Dude is a private investigator. Uh, He's worked for the FBI, the United States Air Force, and was even a consultant uh, for counterterrorism. And I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And it does. Um, Yeah, he writes fiction and nonfiction, investigating strange mysteries. I mean, dude does it all. And we are so excited to be picking his brain tonight. Yep, going to be a fantastic conversation. So make sure you hang around. Yep, you got to stick them and grip them. I don't know what I said earlier, but... (laughs) 
we're going to be doing that tonight. Um, but yeah, before we get to that, we got to get to our segments of the week, man, because we got some interesting stuff. And of course, before we get to our segments, just a quick reminder to uh, check out uh, fearscapepodcast.com for all things Fearscape Podcast. There you can go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support to uh, follow our Patreon and, you know, be a donator. Uh, or you can go to buymeacoffee.com if you're a one-timer. You got five bucks in your pocket and you want to help us, you know, in any way you can, especially for the holidays. Uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com right there and just do a one-time gift. Uh, as well as Christmas is around the corner, man. It's like a month away. And so, you know, fearscapepodcast.com slash store. You can get all your fun Fearscape, not just Fearscape podcast stuff, but Fearscape media stuff. So all the other shows got stuff on there. We've got all kinds of Sasquatch shirts and alien shirts and all kinds of and- fun Sure. And I, I don't want to alienate anyone. So you could buy it for Hanukkah. You could buy it for Festivus. You could buy it for Kwanzaa. You could buy it for Yule. Whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. uh, buy a shirt. Mm-hmm. Even, even, you know, if you just celebrated Diwali, you can, you know, do that right. as well. Yeah. So, um, or just uh, like Santosh. Santosh's birthday is is in December, December 28th. He's the reason for the season. Uh, he's in between there. Uh, so, uh, you know, buy Santosh a gift. Just let us know. We'll get it to him. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyways anyways let's go ahead and get to our first segment which is psychic word of the week and now the psychic word of the week psychic word of the week comes from the encyclopedic psychic dictionary by June G. Bletzer, the ghost of Christmas psychic past. Uh, rest in peace, honey bear. Um, so I flipped through the pages, Josh, and uh, I landed on page 527. And uh, I landed on a phrase that uh, is going to cut a little close to home for you. Uh, it's okay. called the real divining rod. This is like the real medium, like Vashti, but the real right. divining rod. Uh, and it's actually pretty interesting. And of course, the subcategory here is dowsing. Uh, but anyways, it says the right arm and right hand of the body is considered the real divining rod. To stretch out one's arm and tune into the feeling of the arm. The arm may move, twitch, quiver, or become cold or hot to indicate to the dowser when the hidden substance has been located. Um, and so essentially... This is saying you can simply use your arm as a divining rod or even pendulum style. Um, It shows uh, pendulum was in parentheses there as well. Um, You could use it if you trust it and, you know, you're not moving it, you know, let your hand do its thing over some words or or anything, really. So makes you wonder if when we do Ouija, we should always use your right arm, right hand. I mean, I pretty much do, depending where I sit. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much do. Um, and I don't know if that's a rightist thing. Um, all the lefties out there, you know, I think you're, I think maybe this was still the 80s when this book was written. So maybe he's just saying your dominant hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's pretty interesting to say that, that your arm and your hand is the real divining rod that we don't need sticks we don't need copper uh divining rods or anything like that you can literally just use your own arm interesting it's the you poor just, man's divining rod so you just hold it out and go yeah 
exactly exactly <laughs> um so but you know and this goes back to what uh santosh me and you constantly talk about is is how powerful we all already are we just haven't tapped into it right yeah. or we haven't opened everyone not the three of us no right? no, no. But, but i mean everyone. we are extra power we are a triumvirate okay but yes everyone is powerful we are hermione harry and ron okay I'm you're totally Hermione. I'm, I'm definitely Ron. No, you're definitely Hermione because you're the nerd that's always correct. No, I guess Santosh sometimes corrects everybody too. Hmm. Who, Regardless, who would I'm you... Harry, so it doesn't matter. No. Yeah, yeah. You're the you're the boy who lived. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> anyways, I don't want to get into that. Uh, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Junji Bletzer. Merry Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you're celebrating up there in the great beyond. Uh, we love you. And uh, I know the veil is still thin and it's getting darker and you can come visit. Come visit. I would love to say hi to your spirit. Just uh, hold your right hand out. She's like, yes, give, you a high five. Hey, hey, give me a high five. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to our next segment. Our final one for the year, our cryptid of the week. Oh, hell yeah. Hi, y'all. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the week. All right, we are here. My name is the Jersey Devil. Thank you all. Josh is going to be talking about one of my friends. What is this? This is a happy, happy Hanukkah Christmas, cook. Everybody, I don't, I'm just so excited to be here. I just, I love the holiday season. I get to go to uh, Stefan's family's house and see Trisha. She is such an amazing person. You know, she got to talk to my dead grandmother. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Come That's to find out, my dead grandmother was actually a cow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know if it was physically uh, bovine or if it was if if it was just a large person. <laughs> Not sure, but <laughs> I don't I don't think that's hilarious. That you're gonna laugh at my grandmother, Josh. Oh man. But whatever. Anyways, Josh, so what do we got for Cryptid of the Week while Stefan's in the bathroom going potty train? Potty train? Oh, never mind. I don't, never mind. I don't want to get into it. Okay. All right. Well, go ahead. <laughs> so uh, tonight's Cryptid of the Week uh, is actually a plant. Like um, like Audrey, too, from a uh, Little Shop of Horse? Yeah. Little, little Shop of Horses? It's it's actually uh, the cosmic tree. Oh, oh, that now that now I think uh, you're getting into some of that Thor stuff, right? Like uh, yeah. the Viking stuff. Yeah, is Stefan back yet? Nope. <laughs> All right, he, so world trees. Oh, oh wait, I hit choo choo. <laughs> he's getting off the potty train. He's got to finish up the caboose. Okay. So world trees or cosmic trees are a prevalent motif occurring in the mythical creation accounts, uh, iconographies of the pre-Columbian cultures of Mesoamerica. In the America, Mesoamerican context, world trees embodied the four cardinal directions, which also served to represent the foretold nature of a central world tree, a symbolic axis Monday, which connects the planes of the underworld and the sky with that of the terrestrial realm. 
Uh, many people argue that uh, they are more myth than cryptid. Um, depictions of world trees, both in their directional and central aspects, are found in the art of mythological traditions of cultures such as the Maya, Aztec, Ezepan, Mixtec, uh, Olmec, and some others, uh, dating to at least the mid to late formative periods of Mesoamerican chronologic chronology. Um, among the Maya, the central world tree was conceived as a representative of a uh, by a, a Seba tree. I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, and is known variously as a Waka Chan or a Yax Imix Chi, depending on the Mayan language. Waka 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 Josh, uh, JD just passed me. I heard all of that, but on the way out, he was said he was mad because. He said, if it don't have teeth, it's not a cryptid. Well, so I mean, just kind of got really mad. Trees. He he's not part of his family. Oh, well, I mean, how, how does he know? Maybe he's a seed from the tree. I don't know. Do I look like the Jersey devil? Um, but yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that is my question as well. How, um, how, so we said that it's more, um, what did you say? More mi- mi- mystical Myth. than, than cryptid, Myth but cryptid, but what, what makes it cryptid? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I guess it's in the cryptid category. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you want me to answer here, but but uh, world trees are frequently depicted with birds in their branches, their roots extending into the earth or the water. I guess what makes it a cryptid is that it's not just a tree. It's it's like a it's almost like a a being, right? It's, that, m- it's m- magical in nature, right? So you no, know, but it, but not along the lines of like tree beard. You know that that definitely gives a sentience in a different way, right? Um, but but this is this is this is uh, sentience that is connective in nature. It, it reminds me of the tree of life or whatever it is from Avatar, the one that they all go and mm-hmm. you know it's got that thing and glowing branches and everything. I mean that is a connection point for their you know for the planet. And so this right. is the way I kind of see this is the same. So it, it has some level of intelligence and sentience there, even though it's not, it doesn't have teeth. Yeah. And so to add to that, um, so I looked up the definition of cryptid. Definition of cryptid is in cryptid zoology and sometimes cryptobotany, a cryptid is a creature or plant whose existence has been suggested but is not recognized by scientific consensus. So yes, it does indeed fit into that because plants are indeed alive. What? Wait a minute, plants are alive? Yeah, so every time you're eating your salad, vegans, you're killing something, it's screaming. No, uh, but there was this comic book back in the day called The Freshman, Uh, Seth Green, I don't know if he wrote it or if one of the characters was just based off of him, but they all got superpowers that happened to coincide with like what they were doing at the moment of whatever they were doing or whatever or things about them and this one guy was a vegetarian and so his superpowers was that he could communicate and hear plants and so he was mid eating his salad when he heard each salad leaf scream in pain as he was eating it wow so all of a sudden he was like "I, i what am i supposed to eat like because his whole reason for being a vegetarian was he didn't want to take life Right, but life is ev- everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even water has life, as uh, that documentary says. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and even then, I think that tree, 
does fit into like JD was talking about into um, Ossetru lore and and uh, you know Viking lore and things like that because that that tree kind of represents the realms yeah. you know uh, and stuff like that. So I mean the you know the, the world the, tree yeah the kind of sacred tree you know is, mm-hmm. is always is is like exists all over the place oh so. especially in druid culture and and you know the united kingdom there at old druid yeah. i mean all their trees had sacred meanings and stuff like that yeah so but very very cool man all right well um jd's still a little peeved back there um but let him have it i might get him a good i'm gonna get him a good holiday present so it won't even matter uh but let's go ahead and move to our final segment before we get to mr walter bosley which is creepy ketchup Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. Oh man, Josh. Man, we got some creepy ketchup. It has been a minute for both of us to have some creepy ketchup, but it's just it's just been like that. I guess because yep. you know it's getting darker and and stuff be happening. Um, I, I don't know what you got. Uh, if you wanted to go first, or if you wanted me to go first, but it, it's all good. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine's short. Okay, so yeah, uh, I'll I'll go first. So, um, you know, a couple weekends back, I went to uh, Wild and Weird Con out in West Virginia oh, with the yeah. you know yeah, big shout Joe out to Purdue and Ron White, you know, and Ron and rest in peace Wayne Barnes, man. Yep, and it was great. And so we were we were. Kristen, Kristen went with me and we were driving back and, uh, it was, uh, late at night. Um, like it was dark, you know? And so my, uh, headlights were, were catching, you know, the kind of road signs on the road stuff and lighting them up. Well, <clears throat> I came upon this one roadside roads road sign and I saw perched atop it, what looked like what I can only describe as my interpretation of the Mothman. I can already hear Keith. It's an owl, Josh. Well, it had, it didn't have any red eyes, but it did have just kind of the hump. Mm-hmm. It looked like it had wings you know, kind of tucked down, folded down like an owl or like a bird or something. And it was just kind of perched upon the sun. And as I approached it, it just phased out. It just disappeared. Ooh, how big was it? I mean, the roads, the road sign was probably a good, five feet off the ground and it was probably a good five or six feet sitting a perched atop the roadside mm, gee so massive yeah and it was it was crazy because like i said i just as and what's really even crazier is we were driving out to this really dark area that joe had told me about to look at the stars and ufos and all that kind of jazz which Kristen got a little freaked out we ended, we ended up going back to the room but um but yeah, so I was driving to look at UFOs and along the way saw this sitting on a top of road. And like I said, as I got closer and closer, it just kind of phased away and mm. it just wasn't there anymore. Well, oddly enough, my event happens on the road as well. So last week, my sister came in from Detroit, my older sister. Uh, and we got to spend some time. We went out to Prescott. Uh, nothing actually happened this year in Prescott. And um, the moon was out, so I couldn't get any good Starfield photos and things like that, um, though it's still beautiful. Um, but the day before we left for Prescott, we took a trip to the Grand Canyon. And uh, we were uh, driving back pretty late uh, from the Grand Canyon. And uh, everyone was asleep, except for this guy. 
because I was driving and everyone's <laughs> passed out from hiking all day in the Grand Canyon. Uh, so I had to write all this down. Uh, so if I sound a little robot it's because I'm, I'm reading my notes here. Um, but it says, uh, so on the drive home from the Grand Canyon, we were just outside of Grand Canyon Village in uh, Tunesa, I think is the name of the town that's right outside uh, Grand Canyon National Park. Uh, we were just, we were heading south. We were just leaving town. Uh, so when we were maybe um, a half hour away from that city, so we're we're in pretty we're pretty far out enough where it's pretty blackout. Um, you know, this is a good where I tell people to stop to go look at the stars, essentially yeah. because there's no mountains yeah. around. You're out out of the Grand Canyon, but you haven't hit like the main kind of Maricopa Phoenix kind of mountains. So there's this right. huge just flat land, even though you're like still 8,000 feet up, it's just flat for like miles and miles yeah. and miles and miles and miles. So anyways, we're there and uh, I'm driving and I just look into the sky and I see this grouping of six or seven lights uh, just in a stair step position going from left to right. So, um, so going, um, like left to right going down right so stair step they, going down were they out your front windshield yeah they're in my front window? okay they're in my front windshield i'm driving south so this would have been to the southeast um southeast a little bit directly in front of me though and i was able to figure things out because directly in front of me was orion's belt um, yeah. and, it, and Orion was on his side, so it looked right. going straight up. <laughs> so these were stair-stepped, though. I mean, di going diagonal up, but stair it looked like stairs to me. Okay? okay, like that was the best way that I could put it. Um, they were stationary for quite some time. Um, they weren't very bright. That was the other thing that got me, is they weren't very bright. Um, they were, uh, like, not... I can't remember if they were as bright or less bright than orion's belt but they were they were pretty close to that but they were more much larger okay so these okay. are much larger lights than the stars in orion's belt but way way bigger like 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 venus venus yeah, it, kind of brightness yeah venus well no venus is way too bright okay okay this is a normal starlight so it's that kind of dull light okay but as big, like probably a quarter bigger than what Venus would be, but six okay. of them. Okay? okay. But the the light's duller. So that's what weirded me out more okay. than anything. Yeah. Because at the same time, I'm looking around and uh, I'm seeing planes or helicopters off in the distance doing their blinking and flying around. Those lights were very bright. Um, you know, you know what those look like. Um, and these, like I said, were just frozen in the sky. I have looked at the sky a million times. I know Orion's belt. I have never seen a stair-step pattern of stars. Um, and it's just sitting there and it's, it's not moving. And I'm like, mm. what the heck, man? Um, so we keep going. And uh, like I said, there's no, there's no mountains around, probably not for another hundred miles. Um, so this wouldn't have been a mountain you know like that lights were up on you know like a like if somebody lived up there or something like that because there was no mountains around yeah. um this definitely um we would have if there would have been a mountain you'd be able to see the silhouette of the mountain because the lights from phoenix are so bright um that we would have seen that i didn't see any of that uh anyways so i'm driving i'm watching this man for like 10 minutes i'm just like fascinated by this stair step pattern because they're all 
equal in size, equal in size. And uh, I'm just watching this. And then all of a sudden they begin moving from left to right in formation across the sky in that same pattern. So they're moving collectively at the same speed, keeping that stair step pattern all of a sudden moving across the sky. And I know they're moving across the sky because they move in front of Orion's belt. And I can see Orion's belt disappear, which means this is in front of it. Right. Um, So this is moving and I'm flipping out, dude. I'm watching this and it's going really slow. I was not in any curve. This is a straight path through the desert. There's no curve for miles and miles and miles. So it wasn't like the sky was moving. You know what I mean? Like this was just moving. Uh, Then all of a sudden, Josh, they formed into a freaking straight line going up and like straight line like Orion's belt was like. So the one um, stopped and then it caught up, caught up, caught up, caught up, caught up until it's one straight line. And again, I'm freaking out Um, and they they the straight line. And I noticed this because they matched uh, right to the right or left of them. um, It matched the same um, of Orion's belt angle. Yeah, so the same angle as Orion's belt. It was it was like like they were two paths next to each other. Um it was pretty crazy. Um uh so let's see here. Um again, these were less bright. Oh, so it is here, so it's in my notes. These were less bright than Orion's belt, but they were larger in size. Uh this is I would say probably three times the size of the stars in Orion, but you know, okay. um, but venus was much bigger so that still fits about that a little bit bigger than venus um and then all of a sudden one at a time they shot off into the sky one two three four five six in a row pew 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 and got smaller and smaller until they disappeared going straight up into the sky uh and i'm just like my mouth is hanging open and I'm like, holy crap. And uh, then literally like five minutes after that, um, I see an orange light shooting from the sky in my Southwest uh, heading to the Southeast. Um, And this thing is moving faster than I've ever seen anything go. Uh, It's an orange light, like I said, Uh, and it's about the same size as those things that I had seen. So maybe like, Oh, I put here half the size of a ping pong ball or maybe a nickel. Um, uh, it was fairly dim as well shot across the sky so fast that I thought for a second, it might've been a shooting star, but it was literally shooting across the sky, uh, not coming from the top. It's shooting across the sky. It didn't burn up or anything, but then all of a sudden it just blinks out. Uh, it doesn't fade out like a shooting star does. It blinks out. Uh, and then maybe a second and a half, two seconds later blinks back on, uh, and even brighter than it was. And then goes out again, uh, it says, uh, and then a few minutes later, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where it is over to the left of me because it went out again. It did this twice. And then like literally like probably 30 seconds to a minute later, I look over and I see the light come back up twice as bright as it was before and then shoots and turns back the way it came and then shoots upwards in the same area where the stair step light shot up into the sky and i was like holy crap holy crap what did i just see and everyone's sleeping of course i'm trying to wake everybody up nobody's getting up like you know 
they're all just dead asleep. And so this was my little thing that I was like, oh my God, 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 don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. And literally I had to stop. I stopped at the closest bathroom and I went in there and went into the bathroom and then I documented it all real quick. <laughs> so that was crazy. I checked later that night. I checked for planes and things like that. And I, I found the ones that I had seen earlier, yeah. the helicopters, the planes, the things that I had recognized. I looked for satellites and yeah, there of course were satellites and stuff, but not like what I had seen. I mean, they don't, they don't sit like that and there weren't mm -hmm. six of them in a row like that or anything like that. The only thing that I might count is, but they said you couldn't see it in Phoenix, but they said in some parts of the Eastern seaboard, you were able to see a fireball that night there was a, a fireball in the sky but it it said you could see it as they were like you could see it as, as far as alabama and i was like well that wouldn't have been phoenix no um and it, it wouldn't have turned around and then shot up either but i don't know i don't know yeah i don't know weird, man. that's crazy though and also uh, uh, note the mile marker so we can go and just sit out there on the side of the road with the psionics one. Yeah, I I have a general idea where it was, and I meant to look it up before I told everything tonight, but I didn't get a chance. But I've I've got a pretty damn good idea okay. where it was because I've driven that stretch fifteen times over the last year. So, but anyways, yeah. So that's my creepy catch up, Josh. Man, what a what an event. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. So we both had some really good sightings. Or yep. Yours is a lot better than mine, though. No, yours is good, though, too. Remind me of me and Santosh's monkey cat sighting back in the day. Uh, but anyways, we're going to go ahead and move right on and get to our interview with Walter Bosley. Uh, so please stick around. We will be right back. How many greys do you think you've killed over the years? 19, pretty much for sure. Because that day, even though I was a kid, I knew for a fact that what we had just witnessed wasn't human. The only way that I could describe it was that there was there was a shadow stood there. And I believe that it's potentially, I'm not saying 100% definitely, but potentially a real abduction caught on video camera. Join Ash and me every Tuesday as we explore some of the lesser-known but fascinating unusual stories from our unknown world. With the latest paranormal and UFO news, a look back at historical cases and special guests joining us along the way, we aim to pursue the paranormal from a different point of view. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg. Hey there, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Wrist to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness... Go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get Riskwatch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper in 
into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscapes, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable, with tiers as low as $1. So join today! And welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. As promised, we've got Walter Bosley here with us. Uh, and we are so thankful for you to come on the show, Walter. Thank you so much, man. How are you? Uh, hey, doing great. I appreciate uh, being on. I uh, I enjoy doing these things. I love talking about this stuff with folks. Man, the more and more that we were talking about having you on, the more and more we're like, we have all kinds of stuff we can be talking to Walter about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got lots of fun stuff we can be talking about, right, Josh? Oh, yeah. So, um, actually, I, something that's kind of uh, been chomping at me a little bit, uh, Walter, of the last couple of weeks or last month, I, I noticed that um, your little uh, your publishing company that you run, um, mm-hmm. Lost Continent Library, is that, mm-hmm. is that still right? Yes, that's it. I'm just very intrigued uh, by the name selection because uh, Stefan and I have been talking a lot lately. We've had a lot of instances come up lately around the whole concept of Atlantis and Moo and um, Lemuria, the Lemuria, Hollow Earth, all the fun right. stuff. All, all the fun stuff. So it makes me wonder if, if your publishing company name has anything to do with any of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love that stuff, too. And uh, how, how, how it came about. Uh, the full story was I met David Hatcher Childress in 2002. In fact, I went on uh, two uh, trips um, visiting the Mayan ruins in Mexico, central Mexico. I, I liked the first one so much in early 2002 that I went on the second one in, in November that he had that year. And then the following year in 03, I, I went to South America with his group, his Adventures Unlimited Press World Explorers Club. And that was my first personal introduction to David Childress. And he's a, he really is a nice yeah. guy, great guy to travel with, very knowledgeable. Mm. And I had been you know reading um, some of his books before I met him. But, uh, you know, I, I was thinking... I really liked what he did with his publishing company, Adventures Unlimited Press. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it started out for him, he he wanted to publish his own stuff, but also publish other authors. And I thought, you know what? I kind of like that business model. Yeah. What if I did that for pulp adventure fiction? Because I I love Indiana Jones and all the pulp adventure fiction stuff. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to steal David's model. And I told him this. I go, I'm stealing (laughs) your business model, and I'm going to apply it to adventure fiction and pulp and entertainment and stuff. And and he thought that was a cool idea. So I thought, well, I got to come up with a, a, a name. The original incarnation was just a magazine. Okay, when I came Mm -hmm. up with the original idea, I just wanted to do a magazine like he does World Explorer magazine, but on my theme. And so I thought, well, gee, I got to come up with a name. And as I was thinking of a name, I thought, well, wait a minute. Why just do a magazine? Why not do a publishing label? 
<laughs> and then uh, that's where library came in. But I thought, well, you know, Atlantis and like you said, Lemuria is often a part of this. And, and I thought of the Library of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. I thought, yes. well, what if the Library of Alexandria for adventures, you know, was in Atlantis? And I thought, okay, the Lost Continent. Oh, Lost Continent Library. It was really that simple. And, um, you know, I just kind of went from there. But that was, and I got the idea, you'll like this. I got the idea while I was in Khartoum, Sudan. I was on my job where I was doing counterterrorism work. I did that for about six years. But in uh, when I came up with the idea for the publishing company, I was in, you know, North Africa <laughs> right. on this adventurous job. So, you know, there's there's the origin of it. Yeah, I was like, you're already you're already doing your Indiana Jones, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, oh, we... by the way, the uh, the company official colors are black and red and black and red are colors of Atlantis. If you recall in a lot of the mm -hmm. literature, they talk about yep. black and red, you know, so there you go. It, it absolutely cool. is connected to Atlantis. Very cool. Well, as Josh said, we are huge, uh, you know, uh, missing kingdom country people uh, and pulp, Pulp Fiction lovers as well. I mean, we were big Ray Palmer fans and Shaver Mystery and, and just all uh, those, yes. uh -huh. you know, we are definitely old, old hearts as well, old souls. We love that good old stuff, man. So I, I'm just looking over at um, a number of your publications and I'm already like, gonna pick that one up, gonna pick that one up, gonna pick that one up because uh, just the covers alone. That's, I mean, that's why I love the pulp, <laughs> the pulp story so much. It was the covers will grab you so quick. Now, are you, um, you're, you're, are you looking at the, because uh, I have my imprint, my nonfiction imprint, which uh, is called Corvos. So I, I started doing nonfiction after my Disneyland book in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, by 2010, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do nonfiction as well. So um, uh, you're probably seeing both the nonfiction. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at fiction. everything here. But the, the one that was popping to me was uh, Green Ghost and House of uh, oh, yes. Those, yes, those covers yeah. are beautiful. Man. Well, you know, I have to admit, I tell everybody up front, um, what I do is I take old pulp magazine mm -hmm. art, which is in public domain, yeah. and I composite it. I pick a piece here, a piece there. And whenever I can identify the artist, I like to do that, you know, and uh, of course, but um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, a lot we of fun. do. We do a lot of that, too. I, I like to take the old public domain. Right. It's like that as well. And I'll use them for show cards and stuff as well. And I do I, improv I, comedy. So I've used them for a lot of flyers and cool. stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it alive. It keeps yeah. it out there in front of, you know, um, it, it really does. And it's a great genre that I think still has value. And um you know, so I, I like to try and do my part to keep it alive. For sure. I mean, I'm reading the uh, biography on uh, Ray Palmer right now, and it's just absolutely fascinating. Like just a biography. Oh, I got to read that. Yes. Uh, I'll let Josh talk for a second so I can find the book and tell you the name of it. But it's really, really good. And it's not just all shaver mystery stuff. I mean, it really goes into his whole life and just just his all his stuff. So, you know, it's, it's funny when we talked about we, we did an episode where we talked about the Shaver mystery mm -hmm. um, and we talked about Ray Palmer in that in that episode. And we wondered if um, if he was the inspiration for the the character in the comics. And, and we we dismissed yeah, the it Adam. as the Adam. We dismissed it as we dismissed it as possibly probably not. 
but somebody corrected us on on YouTube and said, in fact, he was. Yeah, uh, he was. At, and the reason he was, they named him that, is because the atom shrinks and gets small, and he was small like Ray Palmer was, because Ray mm-hmm. Palmer was known to be the short guy, and so it was kind of a joke as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book is called uh, The Man from Mars, Ray Palmer's Amazing Pulp Journey, and it's by uh, Fred Natus. Um, it's, it's excellent. It's oh, really, I got to read that. That, yeah. that. That's going to the top of my list on Amazon right there. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's excellent. And if you're a pulpy guy and you love Ray Palmer and all that stuff and amazing stories, this it's perfect. It's it's a great it's a great book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. I mean, who how could you not like the shaver mystery? You know, know. because <laughs> oh, it, know. It's, it's it's got elements where late at night you're sitting there thinking, OK, could any of it be true? And then- <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we're always like, so what did shaver actually write and what did palmer yeah. put in which, oh, which which parts are truth oh man <laughs> exactly who who has that original manuscript like it's got to be laying around somewhere in somebody's yeah, right old, old dusty drawer somewhere so yeah who would have i wonder who would have got that stuff after palmer yeah so uh, there's um i think we were looking into it there's not they're just now trying to collect Shaver's stuff because um, mostly the focus has been on his art. Um, so there's definitely some Ray Palmer stuff, but neither of them have like um, a museum, like even like Gray Barker has a museum. Um, so because we've been looking into it, and we've been talking to people here and there, but there has not been an, an effort um, to collect uh, up until recently. I think it's like Shavertron.com. They're trying to find old letters. They're trying to find everything they can. That's Richard Shaver because they too are trying to find the mystery of the Shaver mystery with his original right. manuscript. Like what? Because no one knows what Palmer changed. Right. So yeah, what is the nugget of truth? What, right. Now um, this might help you. I don't know if you know William Michael Mott. You know Mike Mott. Mm-mm. We don't. Okay, he wrote uh, a, a book that's really popular with with weirdos like us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Caverns, cauldrons, and and uh, I. I, I I, I'm currently the publisher of his stuff, and I always screw up the title of this book, but his last name is M-O-T-T. You might want to contact him because yeah. I can put you in touch with him, because one of the books he did that I'm publishing now is an edition of Shaver's This Tragic Earth, which Mike edited. Wow. And that's on my uh, Corvos nonfiction. Um, it's in the catalog. And well, um, so Mike Mott, I don't know, he might be able to... Uh, you know, shed some light on, on if he knows anything about. Yeah, uh, we're definitely trying. We are definitely trying to track it down. I mean, that to us is the holy grail because we have been so immersed in Shaver and Hollow Earth this last year. You know, it, it, so. I, I think I think what really um, uh, uh, interests us and grabs us with the Shaver stuff is. Um, you know, I'm somebody who I like to be honest. If I don't find evidence for something, I say, Hey, I don't see evidence for it. Or if I disagree with the, you know, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll put my skeptic hat on that comes from being a professional investigator. But as I remind people, I'm coming from a position of being someone who's open to, I dare say, believes in, in things. Okay. So I'm, I'm one of those that's the, in the believer camp that likes to be honest. And when it comes to hollow earth issues, personally, my gut feeling, my, my deepest belief is there is some truth to this. Mm -hmm. There's some nugget of reality about these subterranean 
spaces underneath our feet that um you know are are, are the reason we have these legends and stories i, I do I, firmly believe that i think about you know the earth is like um and i'm gonna use cake because i'm hungry so the earth is like a cake <clears throat> we're all sprinkles dancing around on top of the icing but there's a whole lot of cake right and so right. uh who knows what the cream filling is so um well think of an angel's food cake aren't there big uh gaps yeah, in big the gaps. Uh, right yeah in, in 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 the um the what's the, the structure so yeah there could be in the earth and then you know you guys know this when when we're told that nasa in the early 60s said gee the moon is hollow and then they yep, shut right. their mouth about that and never mentioned it again yeah, I mean, the bell the bell rings it, it rings right. like a bell the moon does <laughs> yeah. um so i was going to mention I, I read a book uh uh, probably about a year ago it's called flying ships humanoids and creatures of the subterranean world mm -hmm. and it's a, a saucerian roundtable discussion and it has gray barker <clears throat> richard shaver ray palmer um uh rampa and uh, raymond bernard <clears throat> and it wow. is a it is an is an excellent book um i happened to get it uh in 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 a pdf version as well from um Andy oh, Colvin, right? And Andy Colvin, yep. <clears throat> and um, but in this book, there is uh, sections where um, there's uh, they're reading letters that were written back and forth between Shaver and Palmer, uh -huh. uh, arguing around the structure of the book. And it's just it's very insightful. Uh, what was said, I mean, basically, you know, Shaver is, is calling Ray out and Ray's like, you know, hey, you gave me like, you know, 15 paragraphs and I had to turn it into what it was. And so it's just <laughs> it's really interesting um, to to read that because it, it does give some insight into uh, what Palmer added to it versus what the original manuscript might have contained. Yeah. Or what he took out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or what he took out. And we know that after all of that, Shaver just kind of ran with Palmer's ideas and just sure. kind of went, in my opinion, fictionalized a lot of it. It's kind of how I feel about the Montauk Project. I feel like the, the first Montauk Project was pretty legit uh, in terms of how they felt about it. And then after that, they're like, we got to keep writing more. And so they just kind of. <laughs> yeah. So it went. Oh, and, and as far as that one went. I enjoyed the hell out of it because I think I got four of those books. Oh yeah, I've got I've got four of them. That's where I'm at. So, I'm on the fourth one right now. So you know, I love them. It's, so it's, and and yeah, even if you know you reach your point or you go, well, I don't know about this, but gosh, this stuff is so great. Oh to read. man, especially yeah. that first book though, man. That first book is just so scientific and so crazy yeah. good. You're like, well, you know that stuff. Whew. When I was still an OSI agent, a badge carrying OSI agent. I found myself on Long Island. Now, I lived on Long Island for um, three years when I worked for the FBI. My um, second wife, my son's mom, is from there, and my son was born there. So, I've, you know, I'm familiar with Long Island, but I found mm -hmm. myself back there when I was an OSI agent at the time assigned to Wright-Patterson in Ohio. So I drove over during the Christmas season because my son was there. Mm -hmm. And um, I drove out to Montauk because I had a free afternoon <laughs> and went snooping around Camp Hero. Yes. And I told myself, okay, Walter, um, if you're caught by anybody, you know, that says, oh, you know, what are you doing here? You've got a federal badge. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this used to be Air Force property, Air Force installation. I'm an Air Force agent. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I was chief of counter espionage operations branch 
for OSI at Wright Pat. So I had a counterintelligence reason for being there, so to speak. I'm doing air quotes. So mm -hmm. I I had <laughs> I had my uh, I had my story ready to go that I know would have worked <laughs> on any cop or security guy. But you know, here I am, a 36 year old grown man federal agent in the air force yeah i ought to know better than these legends and things but th that that montauk stuff was so interesting that when i got my opportunity it didn't matter what i was or how responsible so to speak that i was <laughs> as an adult what did i do i went, went out yeah. there to snoop around to you know because it was it, this stuff is just such a, a legitimate draw yeah you know it's really interesting I, and i don't I, i'm curious why it was there but um, I watch a show on CBS uh, called Blue Bloods. It's got um, uh, Magnum PI, Tom Selleck, uh, Tom, mm -hmm. Tom Selleck uh, and some other some other uh, people. But anyways, um, in the last episode that came out uh, week before last, um, in one scene, there's a picture hanging on the wall of a lighthouse, and it says Montauk underneath of it. And then later on in another scene, they're talking, they're getting ready to sit down and watch a, a home movie. And they're like, oh, these are great home movies from Montauk. Like, and that was did, it. They just left it. That was it. it. They just left it. And you know, you know, what's interesting about that, particularly if you've lived on Long Island, most people, when they talk about, oh, the family went on a vacation or the family took some holiday time, they say the Hamptons, the Hamptons. The, and you don't have to be rich to go out to the Hamptons. It's interesting that they would specify Montauk on the show, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes you wonder if, like, you know, we, we, we have talked about um, is, is, uh, is Hollywood uh, a delivery mechanism for disclosure? Um, right. And the things that the, you know, the movies and the TV shows that we've been watching over the last you know thirty years, just a means to introduce our minds to all these concepts, so that when they come to light, it won't be such a shock to the system. And so it makes you wonder if you know the mention of Montauk here was somehow purposeful towards that end. So, right, and and um, that has been an idea that you know it's very it's very intriguing people have talked about that i think specifically since uh close encounters i first heard mm -hmm. about this in the early 80s um I, I i was in a filmmaking club my senior year in high school here in redlands california and the the head of the club at the time was a guy named keith shartle and you'll like this he's got connection to ufo history here <laughs> and um anyway uh keith was friends with some guys in college that went on to to, um, to establish their own special effects house, as it's called. And their first gig um, in the industry was in 76, working on Close Encounters. And they worked wow. for, for Douglas Trumbull and on and so forth. Anyway, through Keith, I learned that story about U.S. government money going into the production of Close Encounters. And then, you know, after that, I learned that indeed um, the government had put... 20 million dollars uh into something about uh ufos and, and public relations or something related mm -hmm. to ufos it, 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 apparently that's uh documented and it just so happens that the budget for close encounters was 20 million dollars mm -hmm. so you know it, but now here's the interesting thing i told you about keith his father was paul shartle and Paul Shartle was the civilian head of the audiovisual 
um, department that was here at Norton Air Force Base. Uh, it was called Avis back then, the Audiovisual Command. Paul Shardle was one of the one, two people involved with contacting um, Jacques Vallée and I believe Linda Moulton Howe about showing them UFO films, I think in her case, specifically the Holloman film. But mm. that was Keith's father. And he's, you look him up, Paul Shardle, he's very much involved in all the, you know, it looks like the government wants to share UFO truth with people. And Valet talks about that in one or two of his books. And um, I didn't know that that was Keith's, I didn't know anything about Keith's dad. Yeah. When I met him, I learned that later. And so um, we, I, I'll tell you, I'm very intrigued. I, I think it's very, very, I, I mean, it's obviously possible and it would be so easy for that to be done. I don't believe it in every case. Every time an alien or UFO movie comes out, I don't think it's the government sharing something with us. Right. But has it happened? Could it happen? I I think it has. And I think it, you know, definitely well, could. And it's and it's interesting because you know everybody talks about uh, the Brookings report as mm -hmm. basically being a report that said, "Hey, yeah. the population is not ready to hear about these things." Right. But um, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I'm in uh, leadership positions, and every time I tell my manager, uh, "Well, we can't do this," uh, the response is always, "Well, when can we do it?" And so <laughs> I'm. I'm sure that the report that came out was like, well, you shouldn't do this now, but here's a plan that you could put in place that would allow you to do it in the future. Right. Um, and so, you know, as a part of that plan, using uh, means that are uh, somewhat innocuous to the public to mm -hmm. disseminate information would be uh, key in my opinion. So. Yeah, it, um, you know, it, it 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 makes sense as a plan i mean people watch tv they watch movies where right. the whole world were 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 media focused and so you know yeah that that so much so that that seems like a no-brainer i mean i'm sure you guys have hollywood versus the aliens by bruce rocks i mm -hmm. mean what is that a two and a half inch thick book that he yeah. talks you know there yep. you go and and um so uh, yeah it it it's kind of fun to when you watch these films and TV shows to try to figure out which ones have the real info, right? Yeah. And I was just reading or, or watching something um, uh, on close encounters. Cause I just got uh, re-interested again. I was like, man, it's been a few years. I want to rewatch it uh -huh. um, and things like that. And well, I was like, I ended up watching, Oh, it was on YouTube. I was watching a documentary on it. And uh, cause I, I, I love that movie so much. And they were talking about, just like what you were talking about, there was government money supposedly in this movie. And when they had finished the movie, it was a much longer movie. And they said that someone came in and was like, so this needs to be taken out. This needs to be taken out. And this needs to be taken out. We like this. We like this. And we like this. And it made for a much shorter movie. And there's a reason why there have been people calling for this legit director's cut for a long time, but they keep getting told it'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah they talked about that in this doc that i watched that there's a much much longer movie and even the director's cut that came out still is missing a lot of stuff that they had originally put in there that uh, see, this agent said was just a little too close to home y'all are putting too much into <laughs> it they put 20 million dollars into it because they wanted people to go to the parks 
That's all it was. <laughs> right. Go to the national park. Same, <laughs> same thing with uh, Starman. They wanted people to go yeah. to the meteor crater. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, I, I I forgot to mention too. Back then, when Keith told me this, me and a couple of other friends, we were on our way to see a movie. As a matter of fact, we were all going to see um, a film, and uh, he said at the time his his source was someone who worked on the accounting on the film Close Encounters. It wasn't something he had read. It mm. was you know. And remember, he was friends with guys who worked on the film, so mm-hmm. right. you, you got to wonder. You you just and then when you go back and watch that one, and um, you know you see the things in it. You know, the idea that, you know, the Devil's Tower, the, you know, right. the whole National yeah. Parks thing. But you, you mentioned the National Parks thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a big advertisement for going to the National Parks. And funny, ever since then, we've emerged with the work of David Polites, where, golly, now we find out there's a bunch of people missing from <laughs> Yeah, really. Right. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah. All part well, of the plan. Yeah, they, you know, they were, it was, it was, uh, just you know drive them here for the alien buffet um so <laughs> but um well into in, you know into to take one more thing and tie it to close encounters Stefan and i recently had a chance to get together so i live in kentucky right now Stefan lives in arizona um but i was out there a few weeks ago and we went out um into this little uh, uh barren spot you know kind of north of phoenix and we did a ce5 event just the two of us um and uh didn't see anything of of note but i had a little uh emf detector uh that i was you know had sitting on the ground um and crazy enough whenever uh stefan would play the tones from close encounters yes the emf detector would light up <laughs> we because we had said nothing was happening i mean and every time we've gotten together we've seen something and here we are in the open desert in this deserty nook right. like where we should be seeing all kinds of stuff and it's like the driest night we've ever seen and i meant that as a pun um but like we were like, well, maybe we should just keep playing music the whole time because CE5 is about kind of, you know, staying meditative and things like that. And I couldn't find it like the music that I liked until I was like, you know what? Hold on. (laughs) And I popped on the music for Close Encounters, the tones. And yeah, every time we played that, that detector went off. Two two things come to mind on that. Number one, The guys at the uh, place where they make the EMF thing, they, mm-hmm. they, for some reason, they, they said, Hey, just as a goof, let's make the, let's make this react to the close encounters music. <laughs> number one, number two, number two is more serious. That. You have to wonder why those five notes right. actually, you know, may yeah. be those five notes. You know, this, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I've never heard anybody experiment with those five notes or look into those five notes that's well, we've very... been and and that's kind of what we've been trying and playing a little bit more with because yeah we have really been digging into frequencies and things like that you know especially you know because you know we explore so much stuff on the show and talk to people so we get into portals and dimensions and and just all these other things and the the thing that keeps coming up more than anything is is frequencies especially sound frequencies they come across almost all the people we talk to about weird events and things like that Makes sense. so who knows so yeah you know it's like <laughs> You know, if you if maybe maybe the uh, CE5 tone should actually be just playing the 
five tones from Close, Close Encounters Close. over and over again. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that'd be worth trying, you know. Um, yeah. But it also it also brings up when you talk about going out to a place like that to do a CE five kind of thing, you know, you're thinking, okay, uh, you know, it's very natural. People go, uh, okay, let's see if we can detect or contact extraterrestrials. But then there's those other guys out there. Yeah, you go out to a place, and there's those other guys that mm -hmm. like to fool with human beings. And you know, hey, look, here's some people out here looking for space aliens. Well, let's give them what they think they want, and then, then you're um, exposing yourself to any manner of very, uh, very strange things potentially. Yeah. I mean, we've always said the, all the high strangeness out there, it's all just one big term for all the stuff. I, I, every time, yeah, if we're going UFO hunting, all of a sudden we feel we see some eyes in the woods behind us. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's all it's all absolutely connected. Just, you know, hairy hominids. That's all it is. So. Hairy hominids. That there you is, go. <laughs> also sounds, excuse me, but this sounds like a foreign name, too. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, that's you know, they just got their cloaking suits on when they're walking around and moving mm -hmm. your stuff around in your house. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always loved that. Josh, when Josh first came on the show, that was one of his first theories when uh, I first brought him on. And he was just like, what if poltergeists and ghosts were actually ETs or people from another dimension just in like a cloaked invisibility suit and they're just moving your stuff around or they're right. getting scared because you walk too close to them and they bumped into the counter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it reminds me of, um, of Star Trek Inter Insurrection, you know, where oh, they're all yeah. like, yeah, they're, yeah, you know, monitoring the, the village, you know, in, in basically, you know, cloaked suits. And so that's what it kind of you know, made me think, you know, what if we're being monitored? And they're doing it in a very what they perceive as you know uh, non-interactive way, but then you know, you know they're they're looking in your cabinets to see what kind of specimen you know you you are that you keep stuff in your cabinets and you get up to go to the bathroom and they got to stop <laughs> what they're doing, you know, and all your cabinet doors are open. So. Yeah, but they're like, oh. Oh. <laughs> so it's like when you think you're in an abandoned house, kind of ghost hunting or whatever, and somebody comes home and you're like, oh wait. This is somebody actually here. Oh, yeah. So. My, you know, I freeze too. <laughs> well, especially when you're when you when you went in through the window, right, Stephen? No, no, I'm not encouraging that. <laughs> so, I, you know, sometimes I wonder though if it is going to turn out to be, you know, because my my dad passed away in 08. My uncle, who I was really close to, passed away in 2016, and and I've had another in-law, one of the male in-laws. We got along real well. You know, I still can't help but wonder if it's just all of them messing with me, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's make him think it's an alien. Hey, let's make him think it's a monster. Well, oh, I mean, I'd do it. I would too. <laughs> you yeah. know? Oh, totally. I'm going to mess with my son and everybody yep. if I can. Well, and it makes you think about, to take it back a little bit to the Shaver mystery, they talked about you know, the, in that story, the the Darrow have the rays, right? That they point at, yeah, the, yeah. at the unsuspecting humans of the world and make them think that things are going on. And they see things in the sky or whatever. So, yeah. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up. You guys definitely have the DVD Beyond Lemuria, don't you? Oh, of course. Oh, yes. That's a must have, isn't it? That just no collection is complete. That 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 that's just a delight. That movie. What was the other thing that Stefan we were recently turned on to? Empire. Oh, oh it was. It's got. Uh, I have uh, Roy. It. It's got Roy Rogers in it. Um, oh no, Gene Autry. It's G um, yeah, Gene Autry. Yeah, I've got it. In fact, 
Hold on, I've got it right over here across yeah, the room. Yeah, I was room. like, I have it too saved on YouTube over here somewhere. But it's it's like there's a you know a, an opening in the hills that takes them into an underground city, and it's about the city. the The name of the city is even close to like a Lumiria type uh, city name, and the people that live down there don't want to be discovered, so they send people up to the surface to you know stop there from any, being any interference. It's just it's also very interesting that you know some writer somewhere would come up with that story without being influenced somehow way shape or form so there um there are actually three very similar ones uh that are old serials gene autry is in the one that's the phantom empire phantom empire i knew yeah. empire was in there I couldn't yeah what it was there's also the lost city with william boyd who if you recall was i believe was hopalong cassidy Right. And then Crash Corrigan was in Undersea Kingdom. And so, they're, but they're similar. They're serials about, you know, the underground, or in this case, the undersea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With robots and the technology and the evil empire. Very, very, um, very shaver esque. And yeah, we I'm, had, we had somebody email us and had said, you guys need to check out Phantom Empire, that it's corny and hokey but it's based on something real and, and we were like all right let's check it out and we were just cool. blown away <laughs> oh yeah yeah and and when did when did shaver first emerge again publicly with his story it was the it's like late 40s or late early 40s. 40s i can't remember now because phantom empire is 1935 and um uh the lost it, it, uh, uh, Lost City is also 1935 and Undersea Kingdom is 36. So what's interesting is in movies, we had those three out there for 10 years at the t by the time Shaver emerges. But of course, this kind of stuff has yeah. been in ancient um, lore yeah. and stuff for so it, right. And he says he says that he started getting the messages in 1932 up until 1934 when he was hospitalized, but he right. didn't write his letter to Palmer until 1943. Yeah, yeah. So, so but yeah, I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, that book, Josh, that we read, the Great Smoke God or whatever that was. Yeah, the that smoky was Smoky God. Yeah, the Smoky yeah. God. What an amazing book. God, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's um, uh, yeah, another one. Um, uh, the uh, the hollow the, the hollow earth and the piranhas, the 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 uh, Hindu lore. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with that one? I, that, I, I've bit, yeah. I've seen it, but it's not it's on my list, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, that's a very interesting book. That's kind of a must have. Also, when you're into this, I'm one of those that. Um, uh, last night, it's interesting. Last night, I've been doing this series on my YouTube called Walter Bosley Reads Stuff, and I take a chapter out of either <laughs> one of my books yeah. or anyone else's books off my shelf. I just pull a book off my personal library shelf. And last night, I read a chapter from Kenneth Silverman's book on Edgar Allan Poe, A, a Mournful and Never-Ending Remembrance, and I, and I read the last part of it um, that involves uh, Poe's death. And I've looked at multiple sources and in Silverman's book, he presents it as, well, they weren't sure if Poe said Reynolds or Herring. And uh, the Herring thing doesn't fly because other sources, this is on his deathbed. Um, 
because other sources pretty much say it was Reynolds and nothing like Herring. And I seem to recall one source saying that his uncle Herring, last name Herring, um, kind of put it out there that he was saying his name because he wanted the attention, what have you. But I'm I'm one of those that I'm convinced he he was saying the name Reynolds, referring to J.N. Reynolds. Um, or uh, uh, I get there, there's two Reynolds out there. I talk about them in, in one of my books. Um, but the Reynolds that was involved with uh, John Cleve Sims and the Hollow Earth research, um, this is the Reynolds who was instrumental with Sims in getting the U.S. Congress to commit money to an expedition to go into the Hollow Earth if they found Sims's um, uh, theoretical holes and you know at the poles. Yeah, and you know we know that Poe wrote his one novel. Um, was uh, the 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 narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, and that's essentially you know considered um, I think the first modern Hollow Earth story because at yeah. the end they end up going into the Hollow Earth um, down in Antarctica and uh, the whole mystery surrounding Poe's last days, the missing trunk. Um, to this day, they've never found the trunk that he left Richmond with. So nobody knows exactly what was in it. And there he is on his deathbed, just muttering Reynolds, Reynolds, Reynolds. Mm. And we know that he was interested in this hollow earth stuff. We know that there was Reynolds involved mm. in that. Um, I'm convinced that he was um, muttering something about Reynolds. And it makes me wonder just what the heck was that all about? And right. was there anything to do with secrets of the earth or secrets that Poe learned? that had anything to do with um, why he, he died the way he did. And then I, I subsequently, um, when I was doing uh, research on my last book, I learned about the eerily similar fate of um, uh, Admiral Byrd's son. Are you familiar with that? Not no. with his son. I mean, we're familiar with Bird, obviously. Admiral but... Bird's son was a naval officer, and he was with him on the South American or the the the, the Antarctica. Um, what is yeah. it? Operation High Jump, right? The famous one where they were supposed to go down for six months, and six weeks later, they're hightailing it away from the South Pole back home. His son was on that expedition with him, and yet never talked about it. His son also ends up disappearing. He's gone for several days, I think a few weeks. Just like Poe, he is found in an indigent condition, ratty old clothes that weren't his. They, when he left home to go um, to a ceremony celebrating his father in D.C., he was wearing a nice suit. This is a man who had money. He's found in an indigent um, uh, condition in Baltimore, Poe was in Baltimore in an indigent condition. Um, he had been drinking. Um, there was alcohol involved with the Admiral Byrd's son's situation. And he's found dead in this warehouse, this abandoned warehouse in Baltimore, just like essentially Poe, you know, was found in the street in Baltimore. Wow. And yeah, it's kind of like that Abraham Lincoln JFK weirdness, you know, and synchronicity. Yeah. Hmm. But yet here's the connection. You got these two men who have a personal connection to the whole hollow earth mystery and they, and, and what's going on there? You know, they end up, uh, you know, almost the same exact fate. Um, hmm. 
it's just those are the kinds of things that fascinate me you know and what did poe what did admiral bird's son know about this stuff that we're not being told well it makes me wonder if if anybody's ever done a you know information freedom of information uh for anything from the bird expedition yeah you would think with the hundreds of people that were on that expedition doesn't it seem like that by now and this you could argue either way the skeptic would say or the realist you know realistic person would say look you would think with the hundreds of people or whatever that were on that expedition and there were you would have thought by now someone else would have talked there would have been something else you know to corroborate these wild stories now let's say that again from a different perspective gee you would have thought by now we would have got the details on this expedition and learned more about it but we don't it's been how many decades and right. we still aren't told you know right right so it, you could look at it both ways and then when you look at the uh mysterious death of his son you know um you wonder if that possibly could have had any bearing or was he just a poor guy with a uh, you know a mental health condition and right you know it's it's I just, don't know. What, what they do is when these things happen there's just like with poe it's just ambiguous enough where it could be plausibly denied and and as we know that's factored into so much right the plausible well, I mean, deniability <clears throat> And it doesn't, and it doesn't hurt that all this stuff is still so very much taboo in society, right? right. Because right. because then they can just society, you know, as a whole, will just kind of sweep it under the rug, sure. blame it on a mental illness, you know, bring it on a, a, a exactly. drinking or a drug habit or whatever the case yeah. may be, and, and let it go. Oh, he just got drunk and you know, uh, sold his clothes for some, traded his clothes for some booze, you know, tie a nice suit, you know, or he got mugged. Right. But if I'm not mistaken, I, I think did they, I'd have to look again, but I can't recall if they found his ID on him or not, but, um, it was, uh, it, it, I can't help but wonder to me, there's just enough ambiguity that it justifies wondering if there's something more, um, weird, to the whole thing some secret to the whole thing always yep. <laughs> <laughs> always uh, i mean just always I'll just leave it yeah there. <laughs> um so i, I want to be you know we've only got a few minutes left uh because i want to be mindful of your time but i want to know i've i've read some things i've s- watched the uh, episode you're on for for ancient aliens I'm I'm curious, and this is probably more of a conversation than we have time to get into. Um, secret space program. Oh, well, as you guys know <laughs> or have heard or are probably familiar with, you know, I I kind of got I was invited to be a part of the um, secret space program little milieu there that we're doing those conferences from the perspective of uh, I, I can think of no other word than legitimate legitimate research mm-hmm. where people you know from finance from uh, aerospace technology from the historical research perspective like myself and Joseph Farrell and stuff um, I I was uh, invited to be a part of that milieu um, about the time of the last of the three conferences they were doing and for some years there had been people doing this 
serious no pun intended down-to-earth research on the idea of a secret space program um more more accurately what what i've come to call like you know classified space program right right and that got and and you're right that's a whole other conversation that i'd love to have on a future uh sit down with you guys <laughs> yeah um, for sure. but but that focus was on the right track and each one of those conferences i went to the second one i spoke at the third one and from what i learned and what i saw each conference the attendees at these conferences were not the god bless them the the usual folks you see at the ufo conferences with all the new age stuff what no these were these were like people that you normally wouldn't see at any other kind of conference like this and they were seriously interested in this and they wanted serious speakers no la la no woo stuff and um each conference was drawing a larger crowd and they and and some of the speakers were starting to get more attention in our our um uh you know the media in this community and uh, about that time when it was really taking off well the whole conversation got sidetracked and usurped by all this ridiculous um 20 and back time jumping space commando nonsense of you know Corey good and emory smith mm -hmm. and you know knuckleheads like that and um it really uh and and of course unfortunately god bless them again the media in our community were all too happy to give those guys all of the course. spotlight oh yeah and get the attention off of what we call serious ssp research so um i, I you know i do think that was kind of done slash allowed to happen a combination of both to get people off attention from the idea that yes i think there has been a classified american space program since the late 1940s i have put forth my theory hypothesis that that's what roswell actually was was our first manned attempt at our first attempt at manned space flight mm. and it worked up until you know they crashed at the end or, or they learned something yeah. and we know that the u.s air force was totally committed to putting uh people in space uh, they, in fact, they initiated the Mercury program, which NASA took over in 1958. But the Air Force had been developing that. Well, um, I, I'm a great advocate of, yeah, th this is something that has existed, uh, classified, um, kind of uh, parallel to to what NASA's been doing, but with a military mission. Um, the reason that I kind of, you know just let go of the you know just kind of lost steam on that was i really think that with the um standing up of space force mm -hmm. that anything we were doing classified is just going to be um folded into space force um in other words it'll become Agreed. The, the the classified history of what space force is and i see the emergence of space force as kind of proof that this is what we wanted to do all along and to some extent we were doing it so yeah um I, so when i say ssp when someone says ssp to me uh, legitimately that's what i think of is what we've been doing secretly now i don't think that what we were doing all these years was some hidden secret fleet like starfleet in the movies that, that's right. that's utterly ridiculous i think the technology was virtually parallel with the military secret program a little bit ahead right and and yeah. inching ahead and and 
I think that by the late 70s, early 80s, is probably when the military took a classified military program that I'm proposing would have taken its first significant leap forward from what we saw NASA doing. Um, uh, just Walter. Walter, can you hear us? Men in black. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Maybe as remember gary mckinnon uh talked about maybe something like a the size of a submarine right the, the, you know so so walter i have to tell you that right as you were getting to the crux of your uh what you were yeah, saying the internet went out didn't it you cut out and you're like it's it's happened it's for happened other people. to us every time every we've time, talked about the yeah. secret space program yep it's cut out on us wow. somebody has either been dropped they disconnect randomly yeah. lose internet whatever it's like you know men in black men in black stuff <laughs> yep, on here. Yep. well so, what you know what we'll have to do is i'll have to come back and we'll dedicate a whole hour 100 percent. Oh, sure we, next year's sure. we're already looking at some amazing stuff because yeah like we said how hollow earth stuff was this year's obsession last year's obsession was secret space program we discovered uh -huh. the the series deep space on gaia which of course is pretty amazing and then i we met ken johnston because my little brother used to be in civil air patrol in albuquerque and one of his commanders was ken johnston oh, wow. and oh, i okay. like i couldn't believe it my little brother's like oh yeah i didn't tell you i know ken and i'm like no you didn't you know <laughs> ken. and so yeah got me connected to ken and and he said my brother's got all kinds of stories of things ken and other guys that were there that they would talk about stuff you know cool. pictures they had seen and stuff and it was just yeah that was hey, our and, obsession and what is this year what is this last year's obsession this year's obsession it's every year with oh it's every, every, year. It's every, every year, year but it's <laughs> one kind of a uh, flashlight gets put on no it. i get you yeah uh, <laughs> i'm all we're always researching all the yeah. things we love anytime <laughs> it pops up man it's 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 a great it's a great discussion and, mm -hmm. and you know like i said because i like to be honest and, and let's let's be honest with ourselves i think we all know there's a bunch of charlatans and fakers that tend mm -hmm. to uh, wander into our community and they wreak havoc you know they lead people yeah. astray they, and and so i have no problem with um debunking nonsense yeah. but um you know that can give some people the impression that oh this guy doesn't think anything and i'm like that couldn't be farther from the truth i'm i'm a believer with a lot of you folks out there but um i like to uh you know i i like to see people um focusing on the things that are the real mysteries that um yeah. rather than the nonsense because the nonsense you never know when we're being manipulated by the nonsense to distract us from the real you know yep so we, we have to we have to police that stuff you know 100 so time yep. to time you gotta call them out um, but you know you and, and i'll make this statement and then i and then, then we'll let you go but one of the things that i've been uh, really thinking about lately is um all this stuff that's really brought our attention back to the skies yeah is it distracting us from things that are happening in the oceans and underground right right yeah you so, I'll, I'll say this you guys i'm sure are familiar with greg bishop yeah. um, i've known greg for some years and uh, he's always said something that i i really like he says you know what if i were to see a ufo my inclination would be to turn around and look behind me to see what it's distracting me from yep and mm, and i like that yeah. and that's exactly what you just said is is hey everybody look to the skies is that because they don't want us to look under our feet right yep. you know. they're they're shifting their focus yeah yep 
So. Interesting. Well, well, Walter, well, Walter, thank you. Yes, thank sure. you so much. Of course, we want to give you a second. If there's anything you you wanted to plug or or, or any places people can find you, uh, we'd love to, you know you could share that information. Sure. I um uh, I've been a publisher, as you guys mentioned earlier. I've been a publisher. I'm going into my 20th year, the 19 years, Ooh. and I publish other authors and stuff. But my stuff is not at Amazon. I want to say this: Amazon is not good for small press publishers. That's why yeah. you don't find me there. They take all your royalties. It's not a good deal for the small guy, and I'm a small publishing house. My stuff is uh, printed and distributed through Lulu.com. I'm the publisher. Lulu's just the printer and distributor. Yeah, they I do like print Lulu. on demand. They do really good quality books. Mm -hmm. They, I'm very pleased. I've been with Lulu for 11 years now, and you can find all my books at Lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, and uh, just put my name in there. And the, the stuff that I've written and the stuff by other authors that I've published, uh, that will all pop up. And uh, also I have um, my YouTube, the Walter Bosley channel. Um, and that's where uh, I let my hair down a little bit on live streams <laughs> Sunday afternoons. But I also do other content, pre-recorded content. And, you know, I think you'll find something to interest you there so um, i appreciate being on guys i really enjoyed yeah, this we absolutely this man and we are definitely directing our folks there we we've ordered a number of books from lulu so i uh, definitely agree with the the quality there and uh yeah we'll be we'll be following you and absolutely we will be in touch because i would love to spend yeah. as much time as we talked about hollow earth on secret space program so let's let's plan to do that <laughs> for sure so and uh, i'll just say to folks if you check out my live stream don't be scared away by my level of enthusiasm. I get riled up, but it's all in good. I, I keep humor <laughs> about it and stuff. So, uh, but, but you, you, I think you'll enjoy it. A lot of people do. If they're yeah. listening to us, they'll dig that. Yeah. So, yeah okay. <laughs> Cause we get riled up too. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again, guys. I appreciate yep. it. Thank Anytime. All righty. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Walter Bosley. Good Lord people. Um, I did not want to stop. I could have kept talking all night. Um, you listeners, yeah. you guys know how much we love Hollow Earth and, well, and, and Secret yeah, Space we, Broker. I, I feel like we we didn't even get into know, ancient civilizations, which I yeah. know we could have got. <laughs> no, I mean we we like barely touched the surface of all the stuff that we could have talked about. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll definitely have Walter back on for sure. Oh, one hundred percent, and definitely, I'm already there on his YouTube page. You can search the Walter Bosley channel. Uh, that's B-O-S-L-E-Y. All of his great stuff is there. Um, you know, and of course, go to lulu.com. Same thing. So much great content. So much fun. I am going to be, I, I, I have a busy next couple of days because I'm going to be watching all of these. Because, man, I told you, I love Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. Um, I love those old Pulp magazines and stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but anyways, we got to get out of here, Josh. Uh, you know, I, I hate I hate to go because I know that uh, it's it's going to be a couple weeks uh, for a solid get them and grip them episode. <laughs> <laughs> I grip yeah. them. I grip them real good if they if they got if they sprinkle grippos all over themselves. Why do they gotta? Why do they gotta put? I'm not even gonna bother. No, with no, it. just just let just it go. Mary, Mary, Chris McConica. He's 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 still on it about you know us covering a tree. Yeah, he's still crypto. mad. He's still mad. Anyways, uh, yeah, what a great, great episode. Uh, just again, reminder, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support. If you want to help support us, uh, especially next year, we're, we're ramping up now. 
to book guests and um we uh because of the uh i don't want to say success that's not the right word that uh, that makes me sound egotistical but because of the success we've had with the people we've had this year um we're able to meet and talk to um some uh managers and 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 publicists and agents and stuff that are out there folks that are interested in being on our show um but they have a very busy schedule so they're not free to get and uh we very much would like to speak to some of these people and things like that so your donations will help us uh get to speak to some of these people as well as go on tour do all the things that we do uh and, and just you know help push this uh this empire of fearscape <laughs> as far as possible between the media network and uh everything we do here on astral stew our youtube channel we've got some stuff coming out in 2022 with the youtube channel some cool stuff that's going to be happening and just a lot of really great stuff i'm really excited for everyone to see what we have in store for next year it's going to be a fantastic year and we couldn't have done that without the support we've already received from uh patreon and buy me a coffee uh and just the uh uh, other types of support that we've been yep. given so. people buying uh t-shirts and hoodies, hoodies and, and yeah clocks <laughs> and all kinds of all stuff. kinds of stuff i mean we put that stuff on there just to see what happens and you would be surprised the stuff people buy man you know like i mean a jersey I, devil clock is out there man well and you know i didn't know until i saw it that i really didn't think anybody would ever buy a jersey devil bath mat but yep i mean somebody wanted it people so. love the jersey devil i know people <laughs> love me Hey, you gotta love me. I'm like baby dinosaur on the dinosaur show. You're just uh, not as cute. Yeah. You're not as cute. Uh, but anyways, yeah, you can get all your Jersey Devil merchandise and all that stuff. But, you know, all that stuff. But, yeah, Christmas is coming up. Uh, Hanukkah, um, Kwanzaa, fr- you know, all that stuff. So there's some great gifts on there um, for your uh, even if folks aren't Fearscape lovers. Like we said, there's lots of other stuff that's there. Um, uh, you know, with me being pagan, there's some cool witchy stuff. I think we just put a Bruja shirt up there, too, as well. Um, so I'm totally digging that. I love that we have a Bruja shirt. So but anyways, we're going to do that. But we're going to get out here. I just don't want to go, Josh. <laughs> well yeah it's just you know thanks everybody again for sticking around it's been a fantastic year um and uh we're gonna do the listener story and then you know you'll have to catch the, the kind of little uh little things are gonna drop in december but we will we'll, we're coming back strong in january so you're not gonna want to miss yeah don't forget the we're coming opening back episode with that rendlesham forest incident man yeah, hot diggity goodness right there. Um, and uh, I'm hoping we can come back uh, before then as well. Maybe do a, a, a retrospective of the year. That could be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, keep your eyes on YouTube and Facebook Live. Thank you to everybody that showed up on Facebook Live uh, last week. That was a, an absolute pleasure. We loved getting to talk to you guys. So, but anyways, let's go ahead and get to our final segment of the year: Encounters from the Fearscape. <laughs> Josh, I'm really excited about (laughs) this story because we were uh, emailed this one. Um, And, uh, you know, whenever these pop up, we're like, oh, cool, because, you know, a lot of times they come through social media or or through the submit a sighting. We we get a lot of the submit a sighting. Um, So I got this one in in an email and the name of the uh, the email said my crazy so-called abduction, which I already liked because, uh, you know, we we grew up in the age of my so-called life with Claire Danes, who I still love. Um, so I loved that. Uh, but this comes from a a listener named Jenna. Uh, no last name. Uh, we're not going to do a last name here. 
But uh, Jenna sent us this amazing story, and I I don't even know what else to say. So I, I'm just going to leave it uh, at that. Um, so let's go from here. Here is Jenna's encounter from the Fearscape. Let me tell you my personal abduction story. It happened a few years ago, and uh, I'm just now putting all the pieces together and understanding what really happened. So let me start from the beginning. Uh, It was a dark night, one with no moon, and it was completely still and quiet. I was staying at my, my home in Texas, just south of the Oklahoma line, out in the middle of nowhere. So there weren't many people around. There was an old family home that was my grandparents' home, and it was left to me when they died. That night, I was washing dishes after dinner, and I remember seeing a strange pulsating and very bright purple light out of the window. But the next thing I remember is waking up in the morning with a terrible headache, not knowing how I got in my bed. I sat up in the bed dazed confused and and then I remembered I had my iPhone and I was trying to take a video of the light before I blacked out so I quickly scrambled to my phone and found that the battery was completely dead so I went ahead and had breakfast while the phone was on the charger after eating I returned to my phone and I, I watched what was probably the most disturbing thing I have ever seen in my life The video showed a bright flashing purple light in the yard, but other than that, no detail. I'm on the video saying things like, oh, how strange and where is it coming from? And, and, you know, the standard ordeal. I squeal suddenly and then I turn around and the camera only catches a quick glimpse of someone or thing white skinned and short with large eyes and long arms and fingers. I paused it and I looked at this blurred image so long and so many times. I then in the video scream and scream over and over while the phone drops to the floor and the the camera's face down. So the only thing I can see is blackness, but I can hear my own muffled screams grow fainter and fainter and further away until finally just nothing for an hour. And then it stops. And that's all for the video. After watching the video, I immediately called my dad and he tells me he is coming over immediately. Uh, It is in this time that he is driving to me that I started having memories of what happened. I remember very scattered details of being strapped to a table of some sort and and testing being done on me. Then I remember being cleaned up in some sort of strange shower-like place and, and then returned to my home. I remember seeing large and small white beings with one being in charge that had a larger white stick that he carried. It's all like a dream to me still. But the strangest thing is this. I feel 
like something is in one of my legs. It, it, to the point that it makes it seem like it's much heavier than the other. Ha has anyone else ever felt like something was placed in their leg? Am I alone in this? Well, as for the video, uh, my dad got there, watched it, and immediately, without asking, erased it. He began yelling at me and telling me to forget about it and not to worry because this will never happen again. And I sat there, I was just crying. I was so confused. This was not like my father. My dad went outside and he's, he's just chanting something that I had never heard before while scattering something around my home that looked some sort of like a white dust or talcum powder or something. When I walked out, to the porch and asked him what he was doing, he looked at me and said, I'll tell you one day, Jenna, when you are ready. But right now, I need a glass of water. And so I went inside to get him a glass of water. And when I came back out, he was gone. He was just gone. Even his truck was gone. Now the doors and windows were open. He has an old 1980s F-150. It's loud. I never heard it. I never heard it start. I never heard it leave. I never heard a door slam. A few minutes later, as I sat there, dumbfounded, drinking the glass of water my dad asked for, I heard the sound of his truck's engine as he pulls onto my property. He flies up my property and slams on the brakes and runs out of the car to me asking if I was okay and that he got there as fast as he could. And I told him he was crazy because he was already here and then somehow quietly left. And he assured me he had not. And he showed me on his phone how he had been talking to my mother the entire drive over here. I checked the call log I sat there more scared than I was minutes earlier because the time signature matched when he was here. To this day, I don't know who or what pretended to be my dad, or if I was simply hallucinating it all or, or wondering to myself how it all tied together with the video. How does it all tie with the memories? that I had of my, I guess, abduction. So later that, that night, I, I walked around my house near my garden and, and I saw the white dust my so-called dad was sprinkling around while chanting in a strange language. Of course, later it rained and it just washed all of that dust away. But after that night, after the dust had been put around my house, I surprisingly slept more soundly than I had ever slept in my entire life, especially <laughs> besides the night before. I have never had another abduction experience, nor have I ever had another run-in with the man or thing that pretended to be my father, at least that I'm aware of. But I can't help but wonder to this day what the hell it really was. And, and I still feel like there's something inside my leg, but I'm just too afraid to get an x-ray and find out. You know, maybe the truth is not something I would find comforting. So since fake dad deleted my video, I don't have any evidence of what happened and that pisses me off. And also, I have to admit, 
I look out the window scared every night before I go to bed to this day. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I really love your show. That strikes a chord with me, Josh. So, you know, some of you guys know that when we were in Somerset, I uh, did a past life regression with Santosh and Josh. And uh, it's a little private, so I'm not sure whether or not I'll I'll share it or not one day or anything like that. Um, But I definitely had some memories or some make-em-ups. I don't know. But some of uh, what happened in that there were some similarities to her memories there, you know, especially the, you know, the table and the short and tall versions um, and things like that. So, yeah, um, it's frightening. And uh, Jennifer, you're listening. Let us know if anything does ever happen. Um, uh, And, and if you, you know, are struggling with any of this, you know, let us know. We can help you find a support group. We can help you find anything like that. Or if you were just wanting to share the story because it was cool, that's cool too. Um, we, we love these stories uh, and we thank you for that and as always you can email us at fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or submit a sighting uh, fearscapepodcast.com uh, uh, there's a submit a sighting tab there or just hit us up on our social medias and DM us all of that but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a little shaken by that story um, it's a good one Josh I don't know about you yeah I mean it's a yes <clears throat> I mean it, 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 of course it, it meets all the boxes of a typical uh, what we hear is typical, you know, kind of abduction case. And uh, men in black. Sure. I mean, and men you know, black, the, the yeah. guy wanting a glass of water. Um, you know, and I'm wondering if, if if her real dad hadn't showed up, you know, would fake dad have disappeared? Or would he have taken his pill that you always hear about them taking with the glass of water? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but yeah, fantastic again. Thank you, Jenna. Um, but Josh, I don't know about you, but let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, you know, twas the uh, twas the month before Christmas and all through the house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Um, but yeah, I want to get snug in my bed. I uh, hope you guys get snug in yours and you can pull those blankets up tight. Yep. So um, again, gonna... thank you. Thank yeah. you very much uh, for your continued listening. Uh, it's been a fantastic year and looking forward to 2022 as am I. Um, So Josh, uh, I love you, brother. Uh, But thank you everyone for listening to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. Uh, I have been Stefan. And uh, just a reminder to keep your eyes on the skies. And this has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.